You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I'm so excited about this episode. You know how there's some people that just make things better. They make your life better, and they continue to find ways to give value. That's who I have on for you today. He's had a huge impact on my life, on my thinking, and man, his story is going to knock your socks off. But on top of that, the real world applicable things that we need right now more than ever, that's what this is really about. And that's why I wanted to have him on the show today for you. And right now, this is a really interesting time in human history. This is a time that's offering us uh, an opportunity really to reimagine the way that we see education. It's offering us an opportunity to reimagine the way that we see our family structure. It's offering us an opportunity to reimagine the way that we see what our health looks like. And it's offering us a chance to reimagine what work looks like. Because the way that things were going prior to today, prior to this moment in human history, they weren't going as good as we might have thought on the surface. You know, we had a lot of turmoil already taking place prior to a pandemic hitting and really exposing some of the things that were festering under the surface. And a big part of that was the way that the American society has shifted in the way that we work. And many of us are getting educated for jobs that don't even exist anymore and, and, and not getting educated for the world that's been so ripe with innovation and constant change. You know, we have to be able to pivot today. We have to be able to adapt. We have to be able to change our perspective. And these are skill sets that we can acquire if, with, if we have the right exposure. And that's really the key. And so I'm really excited about this episode because it's going to help to usher in new ways of thinking for us. And to understand we can take more control, we can take more control because many things have taken place in so many of our lives have, have been out of our control and it has forced change in the way that we operate. But we don't have to abandon all of the certainty and security that we have access to, but we do have to adapt. And so again, really excited about this. And I can't begin to tell you, today's guest also, when I talk about people that make things better, I am so happy right now. You have no idea. I'm so happy. My mother-in-law is actually here right now, has come to visit, you know, us being from St. Louis and recently moving to Los Angeles, just in time for the panty. That's short for pandemic, by the way, just in time for the panty. Um, You know, I've missed her so much. It's been like, just so much time has gone by. So her coming to visit, just like a slice of, of home in the Kenyan food, you know, so she moved from Kenya and then, you know, moved directly to St. Louis. And of course, that's where I met her daughter slash my wife. And, you know, the rest is history. But, you know, just having her here is just, it just feels right, you know. So uh, just very happy today, very grateful because she makes things better. She made me better. Prior to meeting my mother-in-law, I had never, true story, this is gonna, this is confessions. This is Usher confessions. These are my confessions. Confessions. I had never eaten a salad in my entire life. Right, at this point, 24 years old, never eaten a salad in my life. And I'd changed my health so much. But, you know, I was eating a lot. I was you know, shopping at Whole Foods. I was getting wild caught this and that and, you know, eating more of the vegetables that I would eat, you know, broccoli, some green beans, 
you know, things like that. It wasn't that I was eating terribly at this point, but there's so much that I wasn't willing to try because of my mac and cheese programmed palate from my childhood. You know what I mean? I had never even eaten beans before in my life. I, I mean, of course, like I had like a bite when I was a kid, like, you know, had the pork and beans, pork and beans. All right. So you got the you got the the baked quote baked beans, got a little sugary sauce to them, a little couple of some diced up wieners in there. Oh, come on. The kids eat it up. Not this guy. No, thank you. I was not. I was I wasn't having it. So I didn't have beans. I thought it was just in the recesses of my mind because I never thought about beans. You know, it wasn't like an intimate relationship. I didn't think twice about it, but I just really thought beans came from a can. I didn't even know. I had no relationship to it. And so coming over and having some traditional Kenyan food, you know, and her making the dangu, you know, this bean dish and um, chele, the rice and chapati and all these things this just expanded my flavor palette and my willingness because it was so good. It was just unbelievable. It was unbelievably magically delicious. It was that Lucky Charms vibe, but without the diabetic causing leprechaun. You feel me? That's what it was really about. You know, really exposure, making things better. I probably would have never eaten avocado had it not be for that woman. I would have missed out on the likes of guacamole. You know, so many wonderful things, but um, I'm so grateful for that. And that's what I want to be for you, continue to be, and also to bring more people that just make things better. And just to remind you that you are not alone, to remind you how powerful you are to affect change in your life and in the world and to create the life and the story that you truly want. And so again, this episode here today, this guest, yeah, buckle your seatbelt. And right now, obviously, health is a big priority. It's a big shift that's taking place. But are we looking at the right thing? Are we looking at the things that really help to create healthy, sovereign, empowered, capable, resilient human beings? Or are we trying to treat symptoms again? There are things that exist in our world right now, nutritive things that humans have had for thousands of years that are proven to keep us healthy, that are proven to to help us to resist bacterial infections, viral infections, to help our bodies to recover faster. The data exists. There's massive, there's mountains of data on these things. Plus, they don't have side effects, which is, there's no such thing as a side effect. It's a direct effect of taking a thing that hurts you. I'm sick of it. I don't want it. We're getting programmed when a commercial comes on. The guy, you know, he's he's walking in a cornfield. You know, he's got the arms behind him. I'm in a cornfield. You know, I'm going to get this erectile dysfunction taken care of. Yes, I'm in a cornfield. And they just, you know, so you get the, ask your doctor. Side effects include high blood pressure, bleeding from the eyes, uh, rectal falling out, uh, spaghetti, you know, like whatever. Like they're just listing all this crazy stuff. Sudden death. Did he say death? No, I'm in a cornfield. He didn't say death. Cornfield. Come on, man. There, it's unfortunately, they, you know, this television programming for many years. It's called programming. It's been programming us to think that this is normal. That's not normal. It shouldn't be, you know, our children, you know, we're sitting around watching primetime television and they're getting conditioned already that the marketing of drugs that, by the way, so many of these drugs marketed to us on television 
are repeatedly, this is a very consistent, normal thing pulled from the market because of all the lawsuits from the side effects. And we're getting conditioned to think that this is okay. We're getting conditioned to believe that this particular treatment that treats a symptom and doesn't fix the underlying problem causing the disease, causing the diabetes, causing the high blood pressure. We don't address those things. We're going to treat the symptom and then come to find out, for example, like taking a statin. Let's address that cholesterol. Come to find out we got a 30% increased incidence of developing diabetes. It's not a side effect. It's a direct effect. We got to do better. We got to do better. We got to pay attention. When we see that stuff, like, oh, I see what you're doing. Not okay. I reject that deposit. All right. And there are things clinically proven for many years. One of those things right now that I would highly recommend us just to look to is this incredible category of nutrition that comes from an entire kingdom of its own. It's not the plant kingdom. It has its own kingdom because it's so different and dynamic. And it's part of this remarkable network. It's like the earth's internet built into the earth itself and the ground and the trees and all of life. And that's this kingdom of mushrooms. And the medicinal mushroom category, this was a study published in the peer-reviewed journal, Mediators of Inflammation, very prestigious journal, uncovered that the polysaccharides in the medicinal mushroom reishi were found to enhance the proliferation of your immune system's T cells and B cells. So cells that literally, literally kill virus-infected cells and cells that develop a memory, the cellular memory, when we're talking about the B cells, to training the cells to remember that interaction with that virus. So if it ever sees anything that's remotely close to it, it's able to handle and take that pathogen out. Immune system training. That's what we got here. Also, Rishi is incredible for sleep wellness as well. It's one of my favorite things to have in the evening. The journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior found that Rishi was able to significantly decrease sleep latency. That means you fall asleep faster, improve your overall sleep efficiency. So that means you're spending more quality time in your deep sleep and REM sleep. It's good stuff. But make sure it's dual extracted. I know so many people, even friends of mine, they're like doing the one the one hitter side, you know, they're just doing like an alcohol extract or a hot water extract. You need both. That's where the magic's at. That's why I love Four Sigmatic. It's a dual extracted reishi. All right. I'll have that in the evening. A couple of drops, maybe some, you know, English toffee stevia or something or a little bit of fat in there too. You know, put maybe a little bit of MCT oil in there. Yeah. It's a vibe. So foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get 10, 15, depends on how much of the good stuff you get. They've got a floating discount for you there. All right. Crazy valuable. Definitely stock up, get yourself some Rishi. I love their mushroom coffees as well. It's one of my favorite things to have in the morning. All right. Foursigmatic.com forward slash model. F O U R. S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com forward slash model. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Always an Aha Moment by AMCG 1111. Love your podcast. The Gut Biome with Dr. Will was amazing. Got his book immediately after listening. Been on a health journey and your podcast on my morning walks have been so groundbreaking for me. Thank you for your informed information. So grateful. Keep up the great work. Incredible. Thank you so much for leaving me that review over on Apple Podcasts. Please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. 
for the Model Health Show. All right, it means so much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Jamal King, and he's one of the fastest growing personal development teachers in the world right now, and for good reason. His story from going from NFL prospect to working as a Chicago police officer for 22 years on the force while creating several multi-million dollar businesses and helping to impact the lives of countless people and teaching them everything that he knew to go from having this job, this nine to five, and still finding a way to create the life of your dreams. He's truly a story of what's possible because right now we need more stories of overcoming odds and overcoming obstacles. And the insights and tools that Jamal shares, he doesn't hold back and he is fully giving of his experience. And he's just one of my favorite people, a constant source of inspiration. I haven't mentioned him in my new book. He's been such an inspiration for me. And today we're going to talk about what we can actually do, shifting our mindset, not in abstract ways, but very tangible, practical things that we can do right now to really take back control of our focus and where we're going when we're creating the story of our own lives. And the pen is in your hand. I promise you that. We're writing our own stories right now. And learning from folks like Jamal is truly a gift. So let's jump into this conversation with the amazing Jamal King. All right, my man, Jamal King. So grateful for you, brother, man. I'm pumped for you. Very excited to have you back on the show. How you doing, man? Well, first of all, this is different. We doing this remote this time. I know, right? This is crazy, bro. We're live for everybody who's watching the video. We're live in person in the King Mansion. You know, he's got the podcast set up there at home. Man, so much has changed even yeah. in the last couple of years, man. You've just been a continuous inspiration. Uh, I think, did we actually first meet, was that on the cruise, on the Phenomenal Life cruise when we met face-to-face? -face -face it was, time? yeah, that was the first time, bro. It was at the Phenomenal Life cruise. Crazy. I don't and you told me a story, you told me a story that day about your son yep. that we got to share today too, man. Yep. But yep. Um, of course, I'm having you back on today because we are at a very different time in human history. Yeah. You know, like this time is a lot of turbulence, there's a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And you are one of the people who's been a real superhero for so many people wow. in, in, in demonstrating how to create certainty in your life, despite what's going on in the world around you. Yeah. You know, so that's why I'm so excited to have you back on, man. But first and foremost, uh, I want to ask you about, like, let's go back and talk a little bit about your superhero origin story. Because <laughs> the thing about you, man, that's so unique is that you're not one of those folks who is like pressing people to quit their job and work on their dream. Not at As all. As a matter of fact, you've got a whole different approach to it. Let's talk about that. Yeah, bro. Well, first off, man, look, thank you for having me back on again. Um, it's been crazy ever since I was on the show last time, man. I mean, the response was overwhelming. Um, I don't even think I was prepared for it, man. I was just, I was still working as a police officer at that time. And so right. it's crazy. You know, I always say that, you know, when you're in the picture, you know, it's, when, you're in, when you're in the picture, it's hard to see the frame. You know, it's hard. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really think my story was that special. And it just took from other people, man, to actually tell me how special my story was. You know, I was just grinding, bro. You know, I'm blue collar, right? I came from a family where my father was a police officer for 30 years, my mother, she's a Cook County Sheriff over 20 years. My brother, police officer. My sister was a dispatcher giving us our calls. 
you know, I always say, Sean, that my family, I come from a family of either cops or criminals. <laughs> you know, half mm. of the family was, they took the other route and then the other half took the law enforcement route. And, um, bro, just growing up, man, I, you know, I respected the police. I respected law enforcement. You know, of course, the, the police department put food on our table. You know, the police department was, that was everything that we knew. You know, my parents would only hang around police officers. And so the children of the police officers were my friends. And so, but I just wanted different, man. It was one thing that I noticed, Sean, with the police department, everything was the same. It was like the, the houses that we lived in were the same. The cars everybody drove were the same. You know, even all of the children went to the same school. The paychecks, bro. Even in the police department, the, the 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 paychecks they put the paychecks all in one box and 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 is in alphabetical order. And if you look at everybody when you scrolling through just to look for your check, you notice each check is only a difference of maybe a couple hundred dollars. And mm. so it's like, bro, I made twenty arrests this week. My man over here, he was just sitting down at Dunkin' Donuts eat donuts all day. Why is it that I only got paid a hundred more dollars than he did? You know, I save people lives. And so I just noticed how with the police department growing up that everything was just the same in my community. And I just wanted different, man. I just always wanted different. And so, you know, I remember telling my dad at a young age, you know, my dad asked each one of the siblings, he used to do this thing. It was called, you know, career day or what you want to be when you grow up. And like I said, he, um, you know, he asked my siblings and everybody said that my older sister said she wanted to be a teacher. My brother said he wanted to be a cop, just like my dad. And my little sister, she was four years old at the time. She said she wanted to be a teacher just like my big, like her big sister. And it's crazy because, Sean, every one of my siblings, every one are doing exactly what they proclaimed at a young age. You know, every one of my siblings. And that's why I tell people, man, be careful on what you speak in life. Be careful with the words that's coming out of your mouth, good or bad, because they might just take form in your life in a natural form. And so at that time for me, I remember I was the only sibling that did not declare a, a job. Right. I didn't declare a job. I declared a way of life. I said, Dad, I want to become a millionaire. And just like my siblings, how my older sister said she wanted to be a teacher. My brother said he wanted to be a cop. And my little sister said she wanted to be a teacher. I said I wanted to become a millionaire. And the same way I said, whatever they said, they still are to this day. I became a millionaire. Matter of fact, I became a multimillionaire. So I spoke that word over my life. And so, um, but at that time, bro, you know, I, I, my dad was like, whoa, you know, he never heard anybody say that he you know, wanted to be a millionaire. Right. And so he asked me, and this was the first time, Sean, that somebody really had me look past a career or ha or look past just a profession where well, he said, okay, son, being a millionaire is great, but how that word, how, mm. and then he's, how are you going to get your millions? And then when he said that I saw multimillionaire as a destination, but now I needed a vehicle to get to that destination. And so at a young age, bro, and I see people now, man, even in life, bro, grown people, they struggle with that one thing between a vehicle and a destination. Right. A lot of people. So like my brother said, you know, he wanted to be a police officer. That was his destination right. and his vehicle. So mm. therefore, you get a lot of people. What I noticed, you get a lot of people on their nine to fives. They kind of sit back and they get depressed. They're sitting back and they're wondering how come life is not the way they planned it to go. 
And I tell people all the time, it's because you made your vehicle your destination and you made your destination your vehicle when the two are completely separate. And so for me, you know, my vehicle was going to be football. And man, I because I used to see Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson and, you know, prime me prime time. time. Yeah. You know, he had the too legit to quit going on. And I was like, man, I want that kind of life. I used to always see him. He just looked happy. You know, I remember he used to have his chair. Yeah, yeah, everything just looked good. And I said, man, I want that kind of life. Well, I was around a lot of blue collar people, bro. And they would go to work and come back home, cracking open a beer, not even get out their uniform, man. And they just seemed like they was just tired all the time. They seemed like they were tired. And the crazy part is, Sean, not only did they seem like they were tired, but they used to always seem like they were disgruntled. And I used to always wonder, like, if you hate this job so much, why are you getting up every day and going to this job? I used to just wonder that. I never understood it. People that hated their job would go to the same job every single day. I've seen people for years, bro, complain about the amount of money they were getting paid. But yet they was getting up, going to the same place every day, not doing nothing different. It seemed like the hamster wheel. You just like literally going around and around, spinning your wheel and not making any progress in life. But this is one and of the things so, I got to jump in real quick that yeah. you talk about that you really helped to even enlighten me at another level of exposure. You know, because a yeah. lot of those folks were doing the same thing they were seeing other people do and not really knowing that there's a bigger way, a better way. And you making your vehicle was going to be through football. Yep. Is that right? That's right. Yep, yep. It was going to be through football, bro. And like I said, I, I started playing football at a young age, man. I was going to football camps. I was doing everything humanly possible to make my dreams come a reality. And then, you know, all state in high school, um, got to college, was starting team captain. And, bro, I was at the front door of success. I'm talking about Sean. I was like, man, this is too easy. I'm about to realize why my brothers and sisters all in college getting their bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and all of this other degree stuff. I was like, man, look, I'm about to make it to the NFL. I was already asking my mother, you know, what kind of house she wanted, what kind of car she wanted. I was asking my dad, you know, dad, what you want? You know, I had it all figured out, bro. But then, just like the other 99% of athletes, I didn't make it. Only 1% makes it to the NFL for a reason. Only 1%. And at that time, bro, I was, that's when I was suffering from what I told you before. I was suffering from PTSD. I was suffering from post-traumatic sports disorder. Mm. And I lost my identity, bro. When I say I lost my identity and so many other people lose their identity, not even just athletes, but if you look at just the nine to fivers, if you ask somebody, you know, who are you? They tell you what they do for a living. I'm Dr. So-and-so, so-and-so, or I'm Officer King. People identify with their profession. Yeah. But Sean, what happens to you when that profession is taken away? Mm. Who do you become? Who are you? Lost. You don't And that's know. why people, bro, you're lost. People go into depression, man. And that's why, you know, later on, I never wanted to identify just with my job. It's more to you than just your job. And so at that point, man, when I didn't make it to the NFL, I did what was familiar to me. Yeah. Just like we just talked about exposure. You know, I was exposed to the police way of life. And, you know, it was easy to me. When somebody else might say they want to become a cop, oh, this is so hard. Nobody in my family is a police officer. Everybody, this was the one thing. I mean, when I didn't have anything left, when I didn't make it to the NFL, my, my parents stepped in and they were just like, oh, you can go to the police department. I didn't really want to do it. But I didn't have anything else, man, in front of me. Like so many other people. Right. Like, like, bro, the, the education system is so jacked up. It's like they ask you at 17 years old. They ask you, what do you want your major to be? 
You know, like, what do you want your major to be? And then you just, you're supposed to declare a major. You're supposed to declare what job you want to work for the rest of your life. It's 17, 18 years old, man. And I'm like, I don't have a, I didn't have a clue. I majored in like sociology or something like that. And it's crazy because I didn't even know what a sociologist, right, you know, right. actually did. At 17, you know, <laughs> years old when you're supposed to decide these things, you barely yeah. know anything about life. Anything. You, I never even thought about that till you just said it right now. And we're supposed to make this life altering decision on the direction that we want to go. Bro, you know what That's they should profound, do? Man. As opposed to asking you like, what's your job? Like what career path do you want? You know, they should ask you like, 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 what's your destination in life? They should have kids literally say where they want to go in life and not asking them what vehicle do you want to take? Because when you're asking a person what job do you want, what career path do you want to take? That's actually asking a person what vehicle, because your job is nothing more than a vehicle. It's not the destination. So why don't they ask you what's your destination? And then if they ask you, what's your destination? Now we can pair up what vehicle you need to take to get to that destination. So the school system is, is so backwards, man. And so, yeah. So at that point, man, I started working as a police officer and I didn't like it, man. I didn't like it at all. Um, I felt out of place. It's just like, like many nine to fivers, people that get a certain career, I literally felt out of place. It was something about it where it just didn't feel like me. This was... You know, because I was I think I was buying into the culture of the police department. You know, everybody started working part time jobs. I tried to shine for like two weeks. I worked a part time job at a high school for two weeks after I got off work. And this was just the weirdest thing, bro. I just felt out of place and um, and it didn't sit right in my spirit, man. And so I think those words came back to my remembrance, though, when my dad asked me a long time ago, how are you going to get? to become a millionaire like how are you going to do it at that moment I said football because that's what was familiar to me from looking at the likes of Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson but then I remembered that was just the vehicle the destination is still the same why does the destination have to change just because the vehicle broke down the vehicle don't have to look football was just a vehicle yeah all right cool it was it was a lamborghini right it was a convertible it was beautiful oh man i'm gonna drive i can drive this thing and i'm a driving style people gonna wave at me people gonna want to take pictures on my way to my destination but yet it's still a vehicle and yeah so what the police department it don't look as as pretty as a as, a, as the nfl you know it's not a lamborghini Matter of fact, the police department was like a Toyota Camry at the time, you know? That Camry, that dependable Camry. Ah, it's dependable, bro. (laughs) It will start up every single day. It'll never fail you. Matter of fact, a Camry does real good on gas, too. And that's what Mm. the police department was for me. It was that dependable thing that I can can know that will start up. I know that no matter what is going to show up for me. And I knew that I can take it. It's going to go slow. But I know eventually... Eventually, it's going to get me to the point to when maybe I can get another vehicle. You know, what's crazy is how you look at a person's garage. Most people have more than one car. And it's like, all right, cool. You have more. Why do you have more than one car? You can only drive one at a time. And so in that same way, why should I only have one job? Why should I only be bringing in one income? It's nothing wrong with me getting several incomes to get to my destination. And so, and that's what I did, man. And so, but I needed another vehicle. And at that point, I just looked around and I got exposed to different people along the way. And um, yeah, and so I got started in real estate. And I said, real estate is going to be my other vehicle. But this is great. But 
I was not going to get rid of that dependable Toyota Camry sitting in the garage. I was going to still drive that car, but yet real estate was my shiny, nice little convertible that I would just take out when me and my wife want to dress up. But yet every single day when I wanted to get dirty, every single day when I needed to go to Home Depot and grab some stuff and just put it in the car, I knew that that Camry, the police department, would always be there for me. Man, this is so good. You know, again, a lot of us, you are somebody who is just taking off in this space because you're so, people can really identify with you, if I could put that best. Because in this space of like personal development and growing our financial wellness, there's this tendency towards like, you need to take that Camry and drive it off the cliff so you can get your, you know, and you're like, man, actually this Camry can be a vehicle that's going and doing its thing. And we can also have these other vehicles along the way. So you provide this sense of certainty for folks that they can still get to their destination while maintaining their nine to five job. Thus, you are the nine to five millionaire, man. And ultimately, and I gotta be 100, I don't know if you really thought, you you are arguably the wealthiest police officer in America, (laughs) you know, like that is profound. And all this time though, you know, as you're telling your story, when you mentioned Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, for me, as I'm going to college, my perspective, my exposure was the Cosby show, right? Okay, I'm gonna be a doctor, like Cliff Huxtable. I'm gonna yeah. get into, and then I, because I didn't, I wasn't connected to that thing, like on top of asking, like, what is our destination? Also, like, what is your interest? Like, what are you interested in? Maybe we could play a lot mm-hmm. around with that and find some things that connect. I wasn't interested in science ironically, you know? (laughs) And so my other reference point was Eddie Murphy, Boomerang, right? Mm. But the funny thing, man, and I've shared this, I think I might've mentioned this once on the show that over the years, no no matter what I was doing, you know, no matter what my goal was, it still had an aspect of entertainment to it. You know, Mm. I used to, when I was in the fourth grade, I had straight A's, I was doing everything I was doing, you know, on paper. But I would get in trouble. I kept getting into, into trouble in the class. It was easy for me, man. Like it was just, yeah, yeah. but looking back, like I didn't know, I didn't know I was being bad, you know, just because I was quote bored. But my teacher, I was so bad, Miss Norman made a deal with me that every, if I, if I behave, every mm-hmm. Friday at the end of school, she'd give me 20, 30 minutes to stand up in front of the class and I could do whatever I wanted. I could tell jokes, oh, wow. I could sing, I could dance, whatever I wanted to do and entertain. And man, every Friday, sure enough, man, I messed up like once. But I got Mm -hmm. to get up in front of everybody and just express myself because ultimately that's something that's a thread that of connective tissue for me, you know? And so I knew that my spirit knew that somehow I was going to be doing that. For me, the vehicle has been health and science, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So those things got married together. But this goes back to that conversation of exposure. And I I appreciate you so much for giving all of us this exposure to this knowledge. And I want to ask you about in, in making this pivot, you mentioned that early on, like even in this process, mm-hmm. when you were starting to kind of get indoctrinated into the full force of the shield, you know, yeah. and you start to see yourself straying away from your own practices of your health. You know, yep. you started to see the practices going on with the with the other officers. And there's this space that you found, the hole, if you could talk <laughs> about that, where you were able to leverage your time, because I know a lot of pe- people are thinking, okay, wait a minute. If I'm working so hard, I've got this, my full-time job, how on earth am I able to do this? How on earth was he able to create this fortune while working a nine to five job? 
Yeah, bro. Hey, the hole is a crazy place, man. So I'll paint the picture for you. In the police department, I know you usually see squad cars. Wherever's where, wherever city you live in, you see squad cars sometimes just posted up, not moving. You know, they're just sitting around. That right there is called the hole. It's where a police officer is just downtime, and you just want to get away from the public side. But what I noticed, man, in the hole, every time I would go there, that they would always say, hey, Jamal, why don't you come on over here with us, man? We just about to sit up and talk or watch some movies or listen to music. They, they always say, we're about to go somewhere and kill time. Bro, that word, kill time. Mm. Why is it that you're trying to kill the one thing that any man on their deathbed wish they had more of? What well, the only thing, I've never heard a person on their deathbed say they wish they had more money. I never heard of the person on their deathbed wish they said they, they created more businesses. The one thing that everybody wished, and we everybody got it in common, they wished they had more of was time. But yet, police officers <laughs> would sit up every single night, Sean, and say, hey, let's kill some time. Kill time. Kill time. And so, man, at first I used to just look and say, like, man, it's so much wasted time. It's so much, so many other things that we could be doing right now. And so I would start going to the gym and I would just start working out, you know, while my partner would sit in the car and listen to music every single night. And the crazy part was the radio stations would play the same songs. <laughs> they literally would play the same songs. They would have to during the same hours. And it would be like a surprise to him. Every single night, Sean, he'll be listening to the same song or come on that will grab his attention. He'd be like, oh, that's my jam. And I'll be like, bruh, every single day they play the same song in the same hour. And you say the same thing. And then I would see, I would have my other partner. He would have his bootleg DVDs, you know, DVDs at the yeah, time of bootleg. Yeah. And he would watch the same movies, man. He would sit there and laugh at the same parts. And I'm like, bro, I had another partner that would go to Dunkin' Donuts, man, all the time. And I would sit there and I would just be observant. And he would always order the same thing. But, bro, he would look at the menu like it was his first time looking at the menu. <laughs> he, he would be like, he would be sitting there and he would walk in, man. He used to carry two guns. And he would look around and, uh, uh, and, and let me get that um, large coffee with extra cream and extra sugar. And I would sit there. He would do that every single day, bro. Five days a week, bro, for, for, for over 20 years. And I used to say, man, this is, imagine what's happening to his body with all the sugar he's putting in. You know, imagine what's happening by, by, by they not, I, I was just thinking like, okay, even though they're at work, there's still something that could be done during this time. If you could be watching a movie, a DVD every single night, mm. then you could be listening to personal development every single night. If you could sit here and be listening to the radio every single night, just the same songs every single night, there's something else you could be studying or reading that can, that can educate you, that can take your mind away, that can build something else for you. If you could sit here and eat Dunkin' Donuts every single night and drink a large coffee with extra cream and extra sugar every single night, then you can go take a 30-minute workout break or a 45-minute workout break in the station and actually get on the treadmill for 45 minutes. What will it do? Because I seen how officers, that same officer that was eating the Dunkin' Donuts or drinking that coffee, and even though he was getting the, 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 the Splendor Sugar, you know, he thought they're doing that. that was, he, he always thought that that was going to make it better, you know, the people that get the Diet Pepsi every single night. And so I'm like, bro, if you just, if you saw how his body just over time, you know, just, just start bloating up, 
if that's the reaction from drinking a cup of coffee with sugar, with a lot of sugar every single day, then what's the opposite? It's like what I found out, Sean, is that life is all about what you do, how you utilize your time. Mm-hmm. What do you do with your time? And so when I was in a hole, Sean, I would say, man, look, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to go around and look at properties. I'm going to go. So all these vacant properties in the neighborhood that people are complaining about, you know, you got drug dealers going in these vacant properties. You got kids going in these vacant properties. You know, you got all kind of crimes taking place. And since I was a police officer, I, I found a way to go to these vacant properties and check on these vacant properties. So that was my job, right? right? To check on these vacant properties to make sure that no crime was taking place. But now outside of the job, I was actually looking at these vacant properties and seeing if I could purchase these things. How could I, re- how could I renovate these properties? And so I figured like I was killing two birds with one stone because I was buying these properties and I was securing the, 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 the properties in a community. But at the same time, I was fixing these properties up. And bringing up the value in the area. So I figured I was doing real change. And I was utilizing my time. And then you hear people always say that there's not enough hours in a day. But that's what being a nine to five millionaire is all about. You know, it's, you have time. You have time. You're just not utilizing your time in the right way. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, bro, that's, that's what it was all about. So when I was in a hole, I would just, I would go in, man. I would make sure that every single minute I got to the point where I would listen to while my partner was listening to the radio, I would be having my earphones in and I would listen to Eric Thomas. I would be listening to so Les Brown. I would be listening to so much motivational stuff on the way to a call. I would be listening to, to different motivational speakers and just taking my mind somewhere else. And so there's somebody that's listening right now. That's saying, okay, on my job, I don't have time. You have it. You have a hole. It's a, it's a point in your job where you actually have a hole where you can go in and you can read. You can listen into stuff. You can better yourself. And so that's what being in a hole is all about. Everybody got a hole. But the successful people maximize their time spent in the hole. Man, I, I literally got the chills, man. When, I, when you said you was listening to E.T. In your, in your headphones, you know, listening to that listening to Les Brown, and now where you are right now, man, you know, like you, that exposure, it created an intersection, and you truly do become what you expose yourself to, you know, that exposure, especially if it's intentional. We met at that that collision point where, you know, on paper again, coming from where we come from, we shouldn't be sharing the stage with the greatest motivational speaker in the world, but we were and, and we we were invited into it. You know what I mean? It wasn't even like, hey, hey, look at me. It was we became we became the people. We became the pre- the people necessary, the character necessary to have that intersection. Yeah. You know, and it just speaks volumes to everybody listening right now. As you're listening, please understand that these moments are literally programming and, and changing every cell in your body. And you are becoming it. It's mm. becoming a part of you, you know? So these are the messages to tune yourself into right now more than ever when there's so much chaos, when there's so much going on in the world that's uncertain, you yeah. can gain a modicum of certainty by taking control of your mind, taking control of your time and your attention. And so, man, right now, and by the way, I just, I'm gonna give everybody a preview of what's to come, but your partnership with E.T. and the team. And E's been on the show. He's like one of our most repeated guests, you know, <laughs> always welcome. Such a, you know, inspiration for so many people. But they created an incredible, incredible brand that it's not just 
with the motivational speaking, but also their impact in the school system, yeah. also their impact in music. Mm. One of their artists is one of the top uh, artists in the world right now, you yeah. know, Toby. And with you coming to, t coming to the team and you guys, this is the thing about ETA. They just can't do stuff average. <laughs> and so I just listened to your brand new audiobook, and it is a freaking adventure. It is so good. I, I mean, I didn't know, I, I gotta say that I, I didn't know what to expect, except like I knew it'd be good, but I didn't know it'd be like that, <laughs> oh, you know? Wow. And just like the juice, it's not even juice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sauce. <laughs> it's got the sauce. The sauce has the staying power. You know, sauce sticks around much longer. Mm. The juice is temporary, you know, yeah. but it, it has that sauce, man. It's so powerful. And you just wrote your first book and now it's it's coming out right now as everybody's listening. It's just been released this week. It is a must have. It is an absolute must have. Not only the story yeah. and the inspiration, but the insights, the, the tips, the tactics, all of the tangible things that we can put into our lives right now to get where we really want to go. And the honesty, the level of honesty that you bring about, it's incredible, man. Wow, so wow. yeah, bro. Just big congratulations to you, I man. appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. And um, what I want to say, man, is that, you know, I always say that your level of exposure will determine your level of success. Somebody that's listening, please don't just write that down. Don't just write it down. Like tattoo that to your memory. You know, your level of exposure will determine your level of success. I am living proof of it, Sean. I'm living proof of it. Like you said, I never asked ET to speak. I just went to the conferences and I went VIP. I stayed in the front row. That's how I got, no I got noticed, right? I got noticed just by going to the conferences and just getting that exposure. I, re I remember when I first time I got on the stage, man, I got in front of thousands of people, right, with ET. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I'm not ready for this. Like, man, I'm a police officer. Like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. Like, I, but then when I went out there, it was something about it, man. It was something about that it just seemed familiar. I didn't even have to get, you know, coached up or I didn't have to go start off speaking at the, the local PTA. I literally went from the squad car to the stage. But the reason why I was able to go from the squad car to the stage is because my level of exposure is the number one motivational speaker in the world. So, so the worst case scenario, I'm supposed to get on the stage and I'm supposed to kill it. Look who I'm connected to. But on the flip side, Eric Thomas has never invested in real estate until he met me. Now E.T., as far as with me and E.T., so E.T. just built a, 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 a mansion in, in, in San Diego. Now E.T. Yep. just, he owns over 15 properties along with me now. And we did all of that in one year. So he's supposed to. E.T. is supposed to kill it in real estate right now. Why? Because his level of exposure is Jamal King. See, exposure is a two-way street. And that's why I tell yeah. people all the time, your level of exposure will always determine your level of success. Who are you hanging with? Who are you being exposed to? You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to go get a master's degree, a doctorate degree, or whatever kind of degree exists. All you got to do is get exposed to it. Get exposed to the right people. And unconsciously, unconsciously, you're going to start seeing that exposure li literally take precedence in your life. Exposure, bruh, the exposure I received from ET and being around ETA, being around CJ, being around you, being around this crew was so great, bruh. It was so great that I could not deny it. I couldn't deny it. Even if I didn't want to become a speaker, 
it was just so great that I had to do it, man. And so whenever I get on the stage, I don't care if it's in front of five people, one one person, 5,000 people. It's my duty and my responsibility to always bring the fire. Why? Because of the exposure level that I've received, bro. And so, man, that's just yeah. a big point, man. I need people to just remember. Go after ex- I tell people all the time, you need to go after exposure like most broke people go after liabilities. Every time people want to, they go after liabilities like crazy. Oh, man, I got to buy this. I got to buy that. I got to buy this. Go after exposure like that. I got to get exposed to this. I got to get exposed to that. Anything and everything you want to know in life, somebody's already doing it. Just get exposed mm. to that person and to the way they do things and watch how your life change. Absolutely, man. Dude, you know what? I was sitting around and talking with CJ about you early on. You know, I was like, we were just kind of talking about how did this guy, how is he so good so fast? And this is what people see on the outside. You know, they see this, it seems like overnight success, but it is far from that, man. It's been all of those days, all of those hours, all of those minutes invested in yourself and growing yourself as a person, you know? And also we, we, we had that inflection point. Like I mentioned, it's always been there. Mm-hmm. And this is with everybody. We have this greatness within mm. us for so much. And it's just looking back, sometimes it's like our childhood, you know, like I was getting in front of the class and performing. And for you, you were there motivating your football team. You was the captain of the team. It's, it's been there for a long time. Yeah. And sometimes we can suppress it. We can suppress it and act like it's not there. We can suppress it, we can get distracted. I think is an even better term. Yeah. And we can forget that it's there, but I promise you it's there. And again, thank you so much for reminding us of that. I wanna talk about that remarkable story when we first met, because this isn't just about the financial wellness that you've mm-hmm. created, because your, your great grandchildren are straight already. <laughs> already. You know, but this is, this is in every area of our lives and how that intention and walking in a certain direction with that level of intention can play out in literally every area of, of our lives. And for you, that was with your son. Yeah. Can you tell me that, tell that story that you shared with me? Yeah, bro, man, it got to the point, you know, I became a millionaire at age 26, right? And I was able to buy myself and buy my wife anything and everything that we want, right? My wife would say she wants something and boom, I'm going to get it. And it was no problem, no issue. You know, after a while, I started depending on my finances, right? I started depending on the things that I can physically touch and physically purchase. But it got to the point where for the first time in my life, I wasn't able to get something. This was something that money wasn't able to buy. And that was the birth of a son. I wanted a son. Everything about me since a young age, since the time I proclaimed that I wanted to be a millionaire, the other thing I might have said right after that is I want a son, (laughs) you know, with my same name. And I think every man gets to that point where, you know, they want a son. And, you know, I had two daughters and I love my daughters. Um, I couldn't imagine life without them. And so, but I still felt like the family was incomplete without the son. And man, I mean, bro, when we had our daughters, it happened instantly, bro. I'm talking about it happened. Like I touched my wife's shoulder and she was like, oh, I'm pregnant. (laughs) You know, so I knew exactly the time and the place and the day when both of my daughters were realized. But yeah. with my son, it was something different, bro. I'm talking about uh, we were trying at first for a year. And, of course, everybody was in our corner, friends and family, everybody. Oh, yeah, y'all going to have a son. And then all of a sudden, after a year went by, you know, we started noticing people drop off our circle, our tribe. They started dropping off. Mm. And then all of a sudden, those same people who was encouraging us, they went from saying, you know, why don't y'all just be happy with the two kids you got? 
you got two beautiful girls. You know, why don't y'all just be happy? And then all of a sudden you start, you know, hearing the naysayers. You know, you start seeing people's belief levels just start falling off. And, um, you know, some of these people were trusted people, right? Family members and different friends, close friends. And then all of a sudden, but it was just still me and my wife. And we still shoulder to shoulder, still believing. And then all of a sudden, man, in year number four, you know, it was like, you know, my wife, you know, was kind of like, wow, this is, um, you know, this is hard. I, you know, well, I mean, I still remember, Sean, I think we was out at dinner and my wife was just like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get on with my life. And I was like, you know, no, not you. You know, not you. You know, like everybody else can, Sean, everybody else can stop believing. Everybody. I don't care about nobody else. But I need you to still believe. And she was just like, I believe I'm just tired. And I understood. Right. I understood. So I'm not trying to say that I didn't understand her point of view or anything like that. But it got to the point where I had to make a decision. Was I going to just sit back and fall off like everybody else? Was I going to sit back and get tired like my wife did? Or was I going to stand up and go in? And so at that point, bro, that's when I like to say, Sean, that I just developed this crazy faith. See, there's a difference between faith and crazy faith. See, crazy faith is when you sit back and you just no longer, you don't just say, I want this, or you don't just say, you don't just believe for something. Crazy faith is when you actually prepare a place for the thing that you're hoping for and wishing for and praying for. Crazy faith is when you show everybody connected to you that what I'm wishing for and praying for is already here. I just got to bring it forth. It already exists. And so it got to the point where I told my wife, I said, baby, you know what? It's fine. I'm going to have enough faith for both of us. And so we were renovating our home at the time. I went and not only did I fix up my girl bedrooms, but I put a boy's bedroom. I put a bedroom in the back and I said, this is going to be our son's bedroom. And I didn't just make a bedroom and say, well, just in case it's not a boy, I'm just going to leave neutral colors. I painted the room, put his name on the wall. I put a rocking chair in the corner and, and I started, I had, I had these books, I had the Bible and I would read scriptures in this rocking chair. I would pretend like I was holding him. I was reading scriptures like all things are possible to him who believe. I was pretending like I was reading to him. I was sitting back, man, it got to the point, Sean, when I was reading, I wasn't even seeing the people in the Bible's names no more. It was one scripture, man, where it was like, you know, um, even though things around him seem helpless, Abraham decided to believe anyway, not on what God said he couldn't do, but what on God said he would do. I didn't see Abraham no name no more, bro. I saw Jamal. Even though everything was helpless, Jamal decided to believe anyway. I started to write letters to God, bro. I started writing letters to God saying that I know that my son is not here because of you, because of what you can't do, he's here because of, he's not here because of a lack of my faith. Because I read that all things are possible to him who believe. So my belief is not strong enough right now. And that's why I haven't realized my son. Bro, I started reminding God what he said he would do in my life. Bro, it went crazy. It got to the point where outside of his bedroom, his bedroom, notice I said his bedroom. I started talking as though he was already here. I went and I put a urinal on the wall. Then my daughters had a bathroom right down the hallway across from their bath bedroom, but then across from his bedroom with his name on the wall with boy clothes in the closet, I put a urinal on the wall. And I was sitting there saying, when he comes, he's going to use this washroom. This is going to be the toilet that I'm going to potty train my son. 
My wife, everybody at that point thought I was crazy. And I loved it. I loved that they thought I was crazy because it was at that point. It wasn't until everybody thought I was crazy that I realized my son finally. And at that point, bruh, I mean, everybody around was just like, oh, man, you know, man, oh, you just, you know, and then now everybody want to join the bandwagon and stuff like that, man. And it was just so amazing because then all of a sudden the naysayers came out and they said, oh, when, when, my, when my wife was pregnant, they were saying, oh, well, what if it's a girl again? Well, what if it's a girl? And, mm. bruh, this book is so deep because it, for me, it was a son. I had to have crazy faith for my son. But how many people need crazy faith for a business that they want to start? How many people allow people around them to tell them that they're crazy for starting this business? It'll never work. How many people, bro, any moment I could have bought into the lies people were telling me. I could have bought into their beliefs or the lack of. But I stayed focused, man. I kept my mind, bro, on I didn't give up. And now my son, bro, is here. And every single day, man. The thing that I prayed for, Sean, the thing that I prayed for every single day for over five years, I had to pray for him. And the thing that I prayed for now prays for me every single night. He puts his hand. He puts his hand on my head. And I could have gave up. I could have gave up. Now my son is everybody's reality. What I wish for is everybody else's reality. And that's why I tell people, man. One man's obedience is connected to so many other people's destiny. One man's obedience. How many people gave up on their dreams? How many people gave up on something? And, and, and the world is waiting on what it is that you possess. The world is waiting on you. They're waiting on your obedience to whatever it is God put in you to create, to bring to the world. Only you can do it. And the world is waiting on you. Somebody's destiny is, is directly connected to your obedience. And so that's, man, that's why I tell people, you got to have crazy faith. When times get hard, when things don't go the way that they should, or when they don't go the way it's planned, bro, you have to have crazy faith, unwavering faith. The world is waiting on you. Mm. Bro, my team is over here just feeling this as well, man. Thank you so much for sharing that story. This is when we first met, and I saw the look in your eyes when you were telling the story, and I knew that there's something exceptional, not just about you, but you remind us of, of what the potential is within all of us. Yeah. You know, and you just said it, crazy faith. Crazy How faith. often are we like loosely like, you know, maybe I'll try, we'll see what happens, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll give it a shot. But it's also, thank you for articulating like that story with your wife. It's just It's not saying she's given up, no. you know, or, or saying there's anything on her. It's just like, you know what? This is about me. I can't control what anybody else does. It's benefit. It's bonus when somebody else believes too, yeah. you know, when that happens. But what kind of faith do I have? And when you said I have enough faith for the both of us, man, that hit me. That really hit my spirit, you know, because again, I think a lot of us too, we're looking for, you know, we need more people to be on board with us, with our idea, with our vision. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was Common who said, first I got to believe, wait, nobody believes until I believe me. Mm. Right. When him talking about being successful, nobody believes until I believe in me. Mm. And your story is another reminder of that. And this is a time right now for us to take our our, our faith, but not just we got to get beyond the realm. We're very here on the model house. We do a lot of science. Mm. So there's a lot of rationality, logic. Some things require you going beyond 
rationality or beyond logic or the common logic. Yeah. And that's why I'm so pumped about this episode, man. But listen, I want to get into some some tangibles for everybody to walk away with and talk more about your new project. And we're going to do that right after this quick, important message. Sit tight. We'll be right back. There's a huge wave taking place right now with folks stepping up to try to find how to get a mental edge. There's never been more competition. There's never been more people vying for attention and looking for creativity and performance and finding ways to really stand out. And so priming and optimizing brain health is truly the wave of the future right now. And for that, folks are really tuning in to this category of nootropics. Now, nootropics are a category of supplements, drugs, other substances that can improve cognitive function, be it memory, executive function, motivation, things like that. But we want to keep in mind that your brain is really operating on a system that has literally millions of years of evolution behind it. So throwing in a new smart drug that was created, you know, last week might not be a good idea. So we want to lean into what are some of the things that have historical use that are also clinically proven to be effective for optimizing and improving the function of our brain. We're talking about mental performance. And so for that, I want you to know about a study that was published in Evidence-Based Complementary and Alternative Medicine that found that, this little secret, listen in, raw honey possesses nootropic effects, such as memory-enhancing attributes, as well as neuropharmacological activities, such as antidepressant activities and anxiolytic effects. So helping to reduce anxiety. I didn't know honey could do that, right? But listen to this, honey polyphenols are also directly involved in activities that help to reduce neuroinflammation. So we're talking about reducing inflammation in the brain. Now this is another thing that has a parallel wave taking place with inflammation and disorders of inflammation taking place throughout our body, systemic inflammation, but also the brain specifically, which is connected to issues like dementia and Alzheimer's, but also just poor mental performance. And so honey has that capability as well. But the key is raw honey. The study says raw honey. Now with this, we need to be careful. We need to be mindful. And for me, this is why I look to beekeepers naturals to get my honey, because they're dedicated to sustainable, bee practices, beekeeping, and also they have third-party testing for over 70 pesticide residues that are found in common bee products like honey, bee pollen, and the list goes on and on. Now, some of those things that are in conventional honeys include arsenic, lead, mercury, E. coli. Not a good, not a good. So we want to behave and make sure that we get our honey. They have incredible superfood honey, they have a chill, be chill honey also that has hemp in the honey as well. But they have some incredible products that, again, you're getting your medicine, you're getting your nootropic benefits without the harmful stuff on the backside. Now, if we're talking about nootropics, this one specifically you have to know about. There was a study published in Advanced Biomedical Research that found that royal jelly, royal jelly has the potential to improve spatial learning, attention, and memory. Royal jelly. That's what the queen bee eats, all right? It's exclusively the royal jelly, all right? So this is taking honey, and this is supercharging it. This is taking honey and doing a fast and furious with it, all right? This is the Vin Diesel version. Now, royal jelly also has antimicrobial, anti-tumor, and anti-inflammatory properties as well. And royal jelly has been found to facilitate the differentiation of all types of brain cells, 
So helping your brain to create the cells that it needs. And to top it off, researchers in Japan recently discovered that royal jelly has the power to stimulate neurogenesis in the hippocampus. So this is the memory center of your brain, literally creating new brain cells. I'm telling you, there are not many nootropics out there that can do something like that. And the bee elixir product that Beekeepers Naturals has is phenomenal. It's called B.Lixir, L-X-R, incredible. The basis is royal jelly, but they also have one of my all-time favorite things in there, Bacopa. Now listen to this, a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled human trial, gold standard of studies, published in 2016, found that after just six weeks of use, Bacopa significantly improved speed of visual information processing, learning rate, memory consolidation, and even decreased anxiety in study participants. Try the Bee Lixer, all right? If you wanna boost your cognitive performance, it's something for you to you know, kick off your day to get focused. If you are about to go into a meeting or a performance or study, or you just want to improve the function of your brain, reduce inflammation, get your brain healthier. Try the Bee Lixer, all right? Go to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. You get 15% off everything they carry. Again, I'm a huge fan of the superfood honey. Love the bee pollen. Bee Lixer, game changer, all right? That's Beekeepers Naturals. So that's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals.com forward slash model for 15% off. And now back to the show. All right, we're back and we're talking with Jamal King, one of the biggest influencers right now in financial wellness, personal development. And before the break, we talked about this amazing story uh, with his son and understanding that these lessons that we're talking about today, they apply to all areas of our lives. And when, when something like that takes place in your life where everyone else thinks it's impossible, all the messages coming in, and yet you see it come to fruition, it creates a level of certainty in you, a level of power, a level of knowing that nothing can touch. You know it's real. You really you have a deep connection to it. And just a small snapshot, you know, I was told by my physicians when I was 20 years old, I had this incurable spinal condition, this incurable disease that was breaking my body down. There's nothing I can do about it. And when you have that disease to go into remission and to no longer be a part of your life, and it's as if that thing had never even happened before, it creates a level of power in you mm. that people can pick up in your in the tenor you know, of your voice, they can pick it up in your spirit. There's like a texture to you mm-hmm. that it's just like certainty and people wanna be connected to that because real recognize real, you know, we all have it in us. And so uh, I wanna talk to you right now about this new project and what people can, can look forward to. And I wanna, of course, make sure everybody goes and get a copy right now. So let first of all, if you can let everybody know where they can get the book, yeah. an audio book, and also, Let's talk about right now, during this time, where we need to put our attention to, you know, with creating something exceptional, not just like we can get by, Mm -hmm. but creating something exceptional during this time of turbulence. Yeah, yeah. So first off, um, you can get the book, you know, at 9to5millionaire.com. All right, 9to5millionaire.com. And um, man, I just need people to, 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 recreate the vision of your life i think and i'm gonna go back to when i was a kid and i told my dad that i wanted to become a millionaire i need everybody listening sean to go back go back to that inner kid in them i need you to go back to the time period when you thought that all things were possible 
when you didn't even question it, when you just said that I want to just do whatever it was in the world that you wanted to do, whatever made you happy. You know, I tell people all the time, Sean, you got one life to live. You got one life. And the crazy thing about it is, Sean, we don't have an expiration date written on our arm. Like we don't know when this life is going to be over with. And so I tell people, man, go back to dream again. And I think that's what this book is all about. It's, it's, it's allowing you to dream again. It's teaching you how to dream again while keeping your nine to five. Because I'm not, I'm not foolish. I understand that you got bills. I understand you got responsibilities. So I'm not one of these people out here telling you, quit your job. Just step out there on faith. Just do it. No, I'm telling you, keep your job and still step out there on faith. You know, dream again, though. Don't just, and then, and then when you dream, if your dream makes sense to other people, then go back to sleep and dream again because that dream ain't large enough. Everything and anything in my life, Sean, that I've ever accomplished, anything of importance, anything of any value, people once called it crazy. They told me, man, that it was crazy. It was crazy for a police officer. It was crazy for a police officer to become a multi-million millionaire in real estate. They told me that it was crazy for my wife and I to open up a chain of daycares in the inner city of Chicago. And don't you know, bro, that them daycare centers, dog, it hasn't been one year in the last 13 years that they haven't made over a million dollars? Over the last 13 years, what people said it was crazy. They told my brother and I it was crazy for us to start a security company with no experience in security. No experience in security. They said it was crazy. Y'all police officers, what y'all know about security company? Y'all will never be able to do it. Now my sec our security company is one of the top security companies in the city of Chicago. They said it was crazy. Bruh, they told me that it was crazy for a police officer to get on the stage and speak with the number one motivational speaker in the world. They said, oh, E.T. going to have you on the stage. It's going to be one time, and then he ain't going to never have you on the stage again. But now, I done been in more videos, shared the stage probably more than any other speaker ever with E.T., with the number one motivational speaker in the world. So what I'm telling people and what I want the listeners to understand is that your blessing is in the craziness. Your blessing is in the craziness. Keep your nine to five. That's your Toyota Camry. That's the thing that's going to pay your bills. But now I need you to dream and I need you to step out there and I need you to have crazy faith in everything. I mean, think about it. In the in, in next hundred years or whenever you pass away, everybody is going to have the same ending, right? We all going to pass away. So it's not about the end. Don't worry about the end. It's about how you're living your life in between. It's about getting the full experience of life. So go out there and that's what this book is showing you step by step. It's taking you through a journey of my life, but it's also helping you and guiding you to see how you can become a nine to five millionaire. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My man. Listen, I cannot let you go without asking you this question, <laughs> which is leaning into what you just shared. I think one of the greatest parts of our focus and our lexicon as we transition beyond this state right now. Yeah. Because you brought up you brought up several factors throughout this conversation that we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, the 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 lack of success or the the lack of evolution of our education system, 
you know, the lack of evolution of our relationship structures, the lack of evolution of uh, of our health, yeah. the lack of evolution of our financial wellness and our perspective. You touched on all of the different pieces that we talk about here. The lack of of evolution in our in our faith, in ourselves, and in in our, our our power and how we're connected to so much something so much bigger. Yeah. So you've touched on all these things, man. And I think one of the biggest words moving forward is going to be diversity. Mm. You know, it's going to be diversity, diversity in our relationships, yeah. diversity in our education, diversity in what we're doing with our health and not just like one thing. Like I, I work out that I did that and I ended up failing, mm. you know. So diversity in our financial wellness. Can you talk about that? Because you just you just mentioned a little bit when we last when I last saw you. At the studio, you had just started the security company. Now it's another multi-million dollar business. Absolutely. You know, and you've diversified your income sources again. So can you talk about that? Because I think one of the major things that we're seeing right now is folks have been dependent on this one thing, yeah. which is, again, we can have that survival need and that survival button pushed down for sure, but mm -hmm. it can be taken away. Yep. And then what? Yep. And just be certain this time is showing us how circumstances and, and people outside of you who don't know you or care about you can make a decision about what's possible for you. Yeah. And we want to take back more control. So talk about diversity in our financial wellness. Yeah, man. First off, you know, you know, like I said, how nine to five millionaires are oxymoron. So is job security. <laughs> you know, the two just don't, mm. it just don't match, bro. You're only as secure as your company makes you. Right. And so I noticed, man, if you look at people, a lot of people have, especially where you're at right now, Sean, you probably, people probably got three-car garages, four-car garages, you know, and the reason why people have four-car garages is because they own four vehicles, right? So it's like, why do you have four vehicles? Do you have four vehicles because just in case one might break down, you still got another vehicle? In that same way, if you got four vehicles, then you definitely should have several different incomes just in case one breaks down. I think right now what's taking place in the world, you know, more than ever is showing you that you definitely need more income than just what your job is giving you. You know, the thing I love about my blue collar people, bro, is that they, you know, society, man, is so crazy, right? Society treat blue collar people like, been treating blue collar people like garbage for years, right? Been treating them less than, right? But then all of a sudden now a pandemic is taking place. And now all of a sudden uh, the world is being shut down. But the only people, though, that is allowed to go to work is our essential workers. The essential. I love how they put a title to the name. You're essential now. You haven't been treating us like we've been essential, but now until a pandemic is taking place. And then now, while everybody else is scared to come outside, you want us still to keep America going. So now we're essential. And so I say essential workers need to make sure that they're taking care of their own families, right? Because your family is essential. If, if this company gets rid of you, What's going to happen to your family? What's going to happen to your lifestyle? And so this was something that I used to ask myself all the time. Or even if I pass away, what is going to happen to my children? You know, what's to say that I can't take care of my family from the grave? And so I always wanted to, to, to have several different streams of income. And, you know, and that's something that's actually biblical, you know, where you have several streams because you don't know which one is going to work. And if they all work, then great. But the thing is, is that, you know, who actually sets themselves up to have to depend on just one stream? You don't have to. There's nothing wrong with you receiving several streams of income. And so and then even within that stream of income, there's going to be several streams in one stream. 
And I think a lot of times people miss that. You know, so when I first started in real estate, I was receiving rental income from my portfolio. But then all of a sudden I started to fix and flip properties. So then I was another stream inside of real estate. Now I'm teaching real estate and I make real estate real course. That's another stream in real estate. So there are several streams of income in one in one stream. Childcare, the same thing. You know, we were we were um, you know, we had childcare. We were receiving money for for educating and taking care of people's children. But then all of a sudden, I saw how most of the people that that went they had their children in our daycare center lived in a community. So then I started to purchase properties in that community. My teachers, they all lived in the community of where the daycares was. So then I would start buying homes and renting homes to them. Several streams in one stream, you know? And so, yeah, man. So I just, it's like putting a, a fence up, a barrier up around your family and around you, you know, around your life, just in case. You know, how many people, man, if I had a dollar for every time I received a message from somebody on social media telling me that the company shut down and they got rid of them, what am I going to do? You know, who sets themselves up? And I tell people all the time, that's why I love real estate so much, because real estate is so passive. You know, real estate is passive. I never, man, I got properties that I've owned for the last 20 years and I haven't been inside of them for the last 10, but my property managers have been inside of them. My property managers make sure that the properties are still going. You know, so I find different ways of creating income sources so that if something happens to me, my family can still maintain the same level of, of the quality of living. And I think everybody needs to do that. You need to sit down and write that down. I mean, just ask yourself, you know, I ask people all the time, what's the cost of you? How much does it cost to maintain your lifestyle? And if something happened to your job, how would you still continue on with that lifestyle? And if you have a problem answering that question, then you need to reevaluate and you need now to start creating other streams of income outside of your job. There it is. And that's how you become a nine to five millionaire. Yes, sir. <laughs> nine to five millionaire dot com to pick up the new book. The audio book is crazy. So good. I uh, just it, it blew past my expectations for what an audio book could be, which is wow. That's the nature of the team that you are part of, man. It's just like you guys yeah. don't do anything average. You know what I mean? We don't do anything average. And I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate the 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 time and energy that you put in when nobody else was watching. And now that everybody's watching and marveling at this, you keep pointing back people back to themselves yeah. and what they're capable of, man. So I appreciate you so much, man. Everybody got it in them, brother. Everybody got it in them. Um, a lot of times people use their nine to five against them. They use their nine to five against them to suppress what's already inside of them. And what this book is going to show them is how to release, how to use your nine to five to release what's inside of you, as opposed to using your nine to five to suppress what's inside of you. There it is. Where to get the book? One more time, man. Nine to five millionaire dot com. Guys, please, you'll get the book. You can get the audio book. It's actually a journal to go along with it. Man, it's everything that you need. Actually, I even have an implementation course to go along with that so that you can implement the different principles and the steps to go along with your journey to become a nine to five millionaire. This is bigger than just about money. This is about life. It's about your future. It's about generational wealth. It's about just just, just everything, man. It's about the whole, it's, it's everything wrapped up. It's in one book. There it is. The number nine, T-O, the number five millionaire 
Com. My man, Jamal King. Thank you, brother. Man, thank you, bro. Thanks for having me back on, man. This is this is where, you know, I want to say almost where it all started. I was on the Secret to Success podcast, but then this is when I actually um, got social media. And this is when, you know, you told me something, bro. Um, you know, I always look at you and it's crazy because you're a little bit younger than me. But I always say, man, I told people, man, Sean is a visionary. Um, you told me, man, after the last time I was on your podcast, bro, you sat there and you told me exactly what I need to do. You was like, man, nine to five millionaire, a Jamal King, you need to trademark your name. You kind of laid out everything. You was able to see where I was going to be today. And I kind of didn't see it for myself. And man, I just want to thank you, man. Appreciate it. I love your platform, bro. I love everything you stand for, man. You're a family man. You're just a good guy. I believe. And even though you got roses on your shirt, I believe in giving people their roses <laughs> while they're still alive. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And so I just, um, you know, I just love, man, iron sharpens iron, bro. And I love always being around and talking with good brothers like yourself. That's something else that's in the book. It's called the ninth mile mentality. When you're training for the race, when you're preparing yourself, even though your friends, your family members, even though they start the race off with you when you're running a marathon, when you get to that ninth mile, people fall off. Why? Because they haven't trained like you. They haven't prepared you like you. And so I met you on the ninth mile, bro. I met you. I met E on the ninth mile. I met CJ on the ninth mile. People that was running the same pace as me. People that prepared like me. People that trained like me. And so we all now running this race together, man. So, bro, I appreciate you. And, man, there's no other person, bro, that I would want my circle to be running next to, man, than yourself, man. Man, I love that, bro. Thank you so much. I received that. And, listen, I'm just grateful to be a part of your incredible story, man. And, again, everybody... Go check out the new book. The audio book is crazy. 9to5millionaire.com. Jamal King, everybody. Man, let's go. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. And today's episode is really important to me because I wanted to provide a, another source of inspiration and another reminder of how powerful you are to affect change in your life and really the world at large. You are not here by accident. So many things conspired to make you possible and also your imagination, your creativity, your potential, your experience is so unique, so dynamic. It's never existed before in human history and will never exist after. You are special. This moment is special. And of course, there can be times of great challenge. There can be times of incredible odds that we're facing but we are capable. There cannot be a problem without a solution. It's two sides of the same coin. The solution exists, but oftentimes we have to get ourselves to the place where we can actually see what's already there. And I'm gonna to continue to bring uh, voices for you to remind you of that and just continue that thread myself. And I'm so grateful to be a part of your life and a part of your story. If you got a lot of value out of this episode, please share it out with the people you care about on social media. Tag me, I'm at Sean Model. You can tag Jamal as well. He's at 9to5millionaire uh, on his platforms as well. And let's just keep this conversation going. These are incredible people to have access to that this wouldn't have existed, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. We didn't have access to this kind of information unless we like went to, you know, a random workshop and like bought a course somewhere, find a random store. Now we have instant access to all of this knowledge, all of this experience. And it's not just from our own experience. We can learn from other people, other people's mistakes and also other people's successes and add that. You know, I love that statement of standing on the shoulder of giants. And this is a time to really do that, to incorporate as many perspectives as we can 
and to diversify our thinking and diversify our actions because it's really necessary. Again, I appreciate you so much for tuning into the show today. Share this out with everybody you care about. We've got some epic shows coming your way very soon, so make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. My brand new book, Eat Smarter, is on the way. Eat Smarter is the first book to take you behind the scenes and show you how your metabolism really works. Demonstrating specific foods and nutrients that control your metabolism and influence things like fat loss and weight gain. But you'll also discover how certain foods and nutrients control your cognitive function and influence things like your attention span and your working memory. Plus, you'll also learn the latest information on how food controls your sleep and the surprising science around how food controls our emotional stability and how we interact with each other. It's a very special book and part of an initiative to change our health and wellness systems. And right now, when you pre-order Eat Smarter, you also get instant access to a brand new mini course, The 10 Foods Proven to Optimize Your Fat Loss Hormones, for free. It's a $97 mini course you get instant access to when you pre-order Eat Smarter. So go to eatsmarterbook.com right now and pre-order the book and get your free mini course. Eat smarter, use the power of food to reboot your metabolism, upgrade your brain, and transform your life. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes, you can find transcriptions, videos for each episode, and if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome, and I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.